Thanks, Rubes. If we can have the PowerPoint up, that would be fantastic. We'll get moving through this. <clears throat> so this morning, we're looking at Good Friday, obviously, because that's today. And uh, we under- need to understand that you cannot have Sunday without Friday. Is that true? You cannot have the resurrection without the cross. You cannot have life in the new body without the death of our Saviour. So you can open your word or you can follow up with me today um, on the screen. Matthew chapter 16, our reading for today is this in the words of Jesus. It says, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever should, would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Praise God for our reading today. Who's got a busy life? Let's see how honest we are here today. Eh? I should see every hand in the air. Every one of us have got a busy life. I am thankful for today. I'm thankful that what today does is it causes us in our busyness to stop and reflect on the reasons. It says, can we kill those lights? Is that all right, mate? The, the, the things that happen... In our lives, we get caught up in them. We, we struggle. We, we go through them. We, we're working busy. We're doing all sorts of things in our life. But Sundays are a time where we come together and we, we stop and we reflect and we, we think about God. But today we get two special days. This week with Good Friday. And we need to reflect firstly on the reason why we gathered here. And in the lead up for this week... Obviously, many of us have been doing devotions around the cross and many of us have been doing devotions around the lead up to the passion. And many of us have been looking at these things. And I, for one, have done the same. I haven't done many of them, but I've stopped and reflected in my scripture readings and I've looked at the things of what's happened in Jesus. And I was reading a couple of articles as well. I read a devotion and I read an article. And today, some of the points I want to reflect on are from one of these articles. Because we're busy. True? And we need to look at these things from an openness and say, well, there's something that other people are bringing to the table that maybe I have not yet considered. That's why we do some of these devotions. That's why we do some of these thoughts. This thought itself, because without Good Friday, there could never be Resurrection Sunday. I like the post that one of our team shared today and I don't want to guess because I didn't look but the post on the life source page the little comic strip of why is good friday good if you need to have a look go and jump online when you go home and have a look at the little post there it's uh it's actually a good little reflection but without good friday there could never be the resurrection sunday so what is good friday to you is it a time of remembrance of reverence 
and even a touch of mourning. You wouldn't get that as you came into our church this morning. Our songs were reflecting joy. Our songs were reflective of the resurrection, of, of what Jesus has done completely, not just the shortness of the Friday story. But what is Good Friday to you? For some, it's just a day that we stop and have fish. I'm not saying anything about that, but that's the truth. Who's ordering fish and chips for lunch? No, you don't have to raise your hands. Fillet of fish or bacala over here. Anyway, stinky fish, that's what that means, translated. Is Good Friday painful? Or is it a religious, pious day? Is it just the day that you stop and do all the religious things, including ordering fish? Like, what is Good Friday to you? Do you follow the traditions? Or do you stop and reflect with an open heart of gratitude? Today, after service, I'm going down to the Catholic Church and I'm going to join other churches from Griffith and we're going to do the, the, the pilgrimage, the, the stations of the cross. And I, I extend an invitation to as many of you as don't have plans for an hour between 11 and 12 o'clock, join me down at the, the Catholic Church. We've got a reading to do and a prayer to say and you know what? It would be really good if two or three of us here in the room, apart from the pastors, could do those readings and prayers. Because in the community, we need to see that it's the body of Christ that does the work instead of just always looking at the clergy to do everything. Is that true? You know, there's no divide. So I'm heading down and I'm going I'm to join with brothers and sisters in Christ and I'm going to use this hour to stop and reflect at the stations of the passion so that I can hear the hearts of other people while connecting with the Lord God. It's something that I want to do, and I, and I extend that to all of you. <clears throat> so the question there is, will you come? But within our reflections during the week, many of us actually want to get on with it. We, we kind of don't like to get stuck with Friday. You ever read that in your Bible? You kind of get to the death of Jesus, and you're like... I've read this so many times and I just want to flick through. I kind of did that this morning when I got to church. I was just like, God, I want to read the story. And then I had so many things in my mind and I'm just like flicking through. And all I ended up doing was reading like 20 verses amongst three, three chapters. Yeah, I've got the story of the cross in my heart. That's not the right attitude, is it? We want to get to the cross and skip over it as quickly as we can. We don't want to reflect on the power of it. We want to get to the resurrection power. The third day, when the stone was rolled away. We want to get to that place, but first you've got to go through Friday. Jesus had to go through Thursday, where he took his, his disciples through Passover. And then through Friday, he had to go through enormous tension, enormous pain, torture beyond anything we could ever reckon. He had to endure it. And in fact, he said his mind to Jerusalem, it says in our reading. John actually writes those exact words, doesn't he? We want to we run to the place that Jesus is alive, getting through the part where Jesus is dead. 
But the best thing for us is to heed Jesus' words. Should we come after him, then we must deny ourselves and take up our cross. So the cross itself has to have a reflection point in our life. It can't be all about the joys and the celebrations. Because if my life is anything like yours, I would understand that many of us walk through many, many trials. Not just one. Not just one in 10 years' time or one that was 10 years ago. But usually there's trials that come fairly regularly and fairly often in our lives. Things that we learn, we, we're tested upon to see if we've really learnt it to trust Jesus in these times. And his words take up our cross. So there really can be no Sunday without Friday. God's put that structure in order for us to understand. So I'll quickly get through these four things today. Firstly, Friday is the road to Sunday. In our reading, we see Jesus make a distinct change. He begins to share how he must go to Jerusalem. In John's Gospel, chapter 15, he records that Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. That means that Jesus chose and made it a priority and a goal in his life to go to Jerusalem. Knowing full well what was about to happen. There is no resurrection without a bloody cross. There is no eternal life without first dying. We saw in that video the representation of baptism that we enter into in partnering with the death, burial, resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no resurrection without dying. There is no eternal life without death, no salvation without being born of the Spirit. Without the cross, we have no hope. Without the cross, there is no change. We are just as bound by the thorns in that video as we were ever before we heard the name of Jesus. If Jesus didn't walk to the cross, if he didn't set his mind toward Jerusalem, toward dying on that bloody day, then he would not have been able to say that you were forgiven. For Jesus to be glorified, he first needed to be humbled. He first needed to die and enter into the earth. While we look for the joy of resurrection, Jesus set his face to first things. We too must do the same. The cross is the power unto salvation. Without the cross, atonement could not be achieved. Without the cross, we could not be redeemed. Without the cross, humanity would be lost. Therefore, Good Friday is extremely important. Tap your neighbor on the shoulder and say, are you glad to be here today? I said, tap your shoulder, your neighbor. I didn't say give him a kiss. (laughs) 
No cross, no death. No death, no forgiveness. No forgiveness, no redemption. No redemption, no glory. No glory, no eternal life. No eternal life, never knowing the Father. Was that not Jesus' purpose to come into the world to reveal the Father? Did he not do so by standing in the place that you and I would never want to walk to? It was a cross. It was to give up his life in place of yours. While Peter was being a distraction, Jesus centered the conversation. Remember what Peter said? Surely not. Don't go there. Don't go and die. We want you to stay with us. Who who said those kind of moments? Be with me. Don't worry about the rest. Actually, if you read the lead up to Jesus' death, Jesus is actually combating a lot of what the disciples are doing, which is trying to push for position in the coming kingdom. If the king is here, then where am I going to be seated? Am I going to be at your right? Am I going to be at your left? Am I even going to be at your table? Like the disciples were so concerned with themselves, Jesus had to put this line in the ground and say, no, I'm going to Jerusalem. While Peter was being a distraction, Jesus centered the conversation. You and I must have the mind of Christ. We must deny ourselves also to take up our cross, which means to die to our selfish desires and walk the life of devotion unto God. Only in the dying of ourselves can we ever, ever truly embrace the power of Resurrection Sunday. The second point, everyone has a problem with the cross. It wasn't just Peter. It wasn't just the other disciples, James and John and all the others. Like, it wasn't just them. Jesus, you can't go. You're going to die. You, you can't do, everyone's got a problem with the cross. Why, why did God use a cross? Of all things, to die. Like, even sacrifice in the Old Testament was more humane in our thinking than Jesus dying upon a cross. At least it was quick. They didn't do anything to that poor lamb or to that cow except for take its life. They actually loved it and cared for it. If you look at the story of Passover, they took the lamb into their home. And care for her as one of their own. So why such a torture and such a bloody end to Jesus? We've all got a problem with that when we think about it. How many of you have endured the Passion of the Christ movie? I know some of you ran out and couldn't, up, couldn't do it, couldn't deal with it in tears. Why such a horrific death? We've all got a problem with it. Why did he even have to die? How would you have handled these questions and others when Jesus said to you, I must go to Jerusalem? 
If you were there, if you were witness to it all, what would you have done? Would you have been like Peter? No, Lord, surely not. Would you have stayed or would you have run? I would have been like, they reckon it was um, Mark as a young boy, as a t- young, young adolescent boy, running away from Gethsemane naked with no clothes on. I think I would have been like that. The tail handed to me and out of there, like, gone. Like, would we have had as much courage as we've got today? Do we sit back and judge Peter and his situation, or do we actually see this is real? There's humanity involved. There's emotions and feelings and all sorts of things going on. Why a cross? Why do you have to die? So if everyone has a problem with the cross, and then, not only that, we've all got a problem with the cross, Jesus then tells us to take up the cross. Like, just rub that in our face. Right there, when Jesus says, take up your cross, surely the problem just got real. Surely it just connected and it just hit us right between the eyes. The problem is, it was both Jesus' power and wisdom that led him to the instrument of torture and death. Those who had seen his power wondered why he seemed powerless at this time of great need. Look, he's calling out to Elijah. Let's see if Elijah saves him. Surely the angels will come down and save him. Not only does he have power, he has all authority. So therefore, surely he can command them to set him free. I mean, he can walk on water. Why can't he just float off the cross? Those who saw his wisdom and intelligence wondered how someone so smart could or would miscalculate so badly. In heading to Jerusalem, surely he could have led a massive revival and led the biggest church ever and been able to bring salvation in another way. Does that not sound like a temptation to you? But Jesus set his mind toward Jerusalem and he set his mind toward a cross. John 12, 23 to 24 says this, And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. I remember sharing a a sermon about this, that Jesus, the only pure and perfect, the only one born innocent, we see that he had the right and the authority to remain forever, never tasting death. But he chose not to do so because he chose not to be alone. It is, a, it is a comparison with the heart of the Godhead itself. The God between himself, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, created humanity in their likeness so that they could share the abundance of their love with them. 
So the same God who became flesh in the Son, Jesus, now has the same thought where he's able to say, I can remain alone, but what was my whole purpose in creating them in my image? And right here, we see the key, that Jesus did not just teach in parables, but his whole life itself was a parable. That a grain of wheat must first die if it is to produce fruit. It is exactly the same when it comes to your salvation. For you to produce the fruit unto righteousness in your life by becoming aligned and positioned in favor with God, you must take up your cross yourself. What that means is you must die to the selfish pattern and plans of your life. You too must be buried with Christ in the full knowledge that Jesus will raise you up unto abundance and fruit. The fruit of righteousness cannot be ever at work in your life unless you are born of the Spirit. John chapter 3, where Jesus speaks to Nicodemus, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. It is the same principle. For one to be born again, one must not be able to enter back into the womb, but through the waters of baptism, identifying with Christ by saying, yes, I believe this, I died in myself and I live for you. One is intertwined with God himself. And the power of Resurrection Sunday becomes your power under salvation. It remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus had to die to produce people who would be born after him. Have a look at what follows next after this passage, the very next two verses. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will, be, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Thank God we don't have to hang from a bloody cross. That is the power and spirit of grace. That he would do so in our place. But our cross is very different to the cross that Jesus had to go through. While we think about this second point, every one of us hate the cross. But yet it is the power unto salvation. It is the power that when you reflect upon the cross of Christ, that he does a work in your life that you would die to yourself. And live for him. It was wisdom and power that led Jesus to the cross. We cannot fathom it, but Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians verse, chapter 1, verse 22. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks... Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. 
Is the cross a stumbling block in your life? Is it the cross that offends you so much that you can't see the power of Resurrection Sunday? Because I tell you, until you brace the cross that Jesus has for your life, which is to lay it down and to live with him, you will never, ever see the fruit of the abundance of the resurrection. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So firstly, Friday is the road to Sunday. Secondly, everyone has a problem with the cross. My third point, Friday means the beginning of change. Easter is indeed about an empty tomb, but first it is about a cross. Jesus set his face toward a sacrificial death, a death in our place. Jesus shows us that once he's been to the cross, everything changes. Stumbling blocks and foolishness become power and wisdom. The power under salvation and the wisdom to live for Jesus. It's funny that we want to quickly move past the cross to get to the empty tomb. That we want to get past this life and get to that day where we'll spend eternity with him. It's funny how we always seem to be in a hurry. But it's the cross that is the means by which we are saved. Jesus died on a bloody cross to set us free. He paid the price for sin with his own life. A righteous man dying in the place of the unrighteous. A sacrificial lamb whose body was ripped and beaten so that we could walk in the grace and favor of God. It was the cross that was the road that Jesus had to take. In our readings we see that it is the road we must embrace also. Not the punishment, but the laying down of ourselves. Jesus said to Peter, take up your cross and follow me. Take up that which has the power to kill and live for me who has the power to bring resurrection. Friday is the beginning of change. And if you want to encounter the power of what it is over this weekend of resurrection, then you must embrace the change that comes from reflecting, embracing, and applying the truths of the cross in your life. The fourth point today. Jesus demonstrated faith over the circumstances. I like this point. God promises never to forsake us, but it doesn't feel that way sometimes, does it? In our lead up to Easter on uh, Wednesday night, our family watched the shack. And I, love watch, I loved watching Mac as he fought through the challenges that we have about God 
that he perceived had deserted him by, by seeing his daughter taken and how it changed his perspective in such a way that he could understand that God never left him. And the beauty of the picture of that was when Jesus, the, when, when the guy who was representing Jesus led Mac out onto the water and they walked across the water together. Obviously, if you've been in church long enough, you, you kind of knew watching the movie that they were about to walk on water. Like that, That's no brainer, right? But when he came out from his encounter with wisdom and he, he had changed his perspective on God the Father in such a way, on Papa God, he changed his perspective. There was a really beautiful moment where Mac comes out and he embraces Jesus and then he's like, sets his mind, I need to go and see Papa, and he starts to walk off. And all of a sudden, he's walking through water instead of walking on water. And he turns around like he's shocked, like Jesus had left him. Do you understand that? And he said, he looked at Jesus like, why can't I walk on water now? And Jesus looked at him and said, how about we do it together? So you can't overcome life without Jesus, yeah? You, you can't live the Christian life without the power of Jesus' spirit in your life. You, you can't embrace Resurrection Sunday without knowing first that he went to a cross and then on the third day died. And the same spirit that raised him from the dead now lives in you. So the truth is, while we question, does God ever forsake us? The reality of his word is true. He's never, ever forsaken us. And I think we need to challenge our mindsets that he hasn't forsaken the world. He hasn't forsaken those who are even lost in the depravity of sin. Because either Jesus' sacrifice was enough to cover all sin or it wasn't. But we think, wow, my circumstances... Where's Jesus while I'm going through this? But let's put it into real perspective. What, what did Jesus do? At the cross, he made two statements. Depending on which version you read, which, which account of the, the, the message you read. But firstly, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We see that in Matthew's gospel. Eli, Eli, Labathaksani, or something like that, yeah? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Did God actually forsake him? It's an interesting question. I've always thought, well, God couldn't look at Jesus because of the sin that was on him, but I don't even know if that was relevant. Like the challenge comes that Jesus is God. In fact, God didn't forsake him. God nailed himself to the cross. There's a change in your mindset there. Why have you forsaken me? The reason I say that is because he says this, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. In other words, finished. In other words, it's finished. Let me say it again. In other words, it's finished. 
How could Jesus say, God, you've forsaken me, and then in the very next time he speaks, he says, to your hands I commend my spirit. Jesus wasn't bipolar. Okay? He wasn't separated from God. He's identifying with you. His humanity is identifying with the fact that in the midst of the biggest turmoil and the midst of the biggest pain he's ever endured in his life, he feels like God has forsaken him in that moment. But his vision was toward God. His vision was toward the cross. His vision was set for Jerusalem. If that was the case, then he knew that his vision was beyond to the resurrection. And we saw that in the reading. We saw that on the third day I will rise. The question comes, do you have that much faith to state something? Go through it? Question God, why have you forsaken me? Give over what you're thinking and saying, into your hands I give myself knowing that on the third day, that there is a third day coming for your life. You can't have the third day without the trial. I'm sorry. That is the reality. Every trial you walk through, you will question, my God, where are you? Does it have to be such a statement that is faithless that would say, Where are you? I can't see you. I don't know where you are. Therefore, you have betrayed me. Why does it have to be so finite? Why can it not be? My God, in the midst of this, where are you? What are you teaching me? What do I need from you in this moment to be the power for me to get through and endure? Not the accusation that he's left you, but the faith to say no matter what, You have called me to victory. You have called me to overcome. You have called me to break through. And I know that while I feel alone, you are in the midst of this. And I trust that you will bring me through. The same as you brought your son. That is the pattern. Jesus walks to Jerusalem. He hands himself over to the guards. He bends his own back to be flogged. He says nothing before Pilate. If he'd said something, he would have been acquitted. He says nothing before his accusers. He is beaten within an inch of his life. He is nailed to a cross. And in the middle of that torment, while in himself he's feeling the torture, he says, my God, why have you forsaken me? While I feel this, My trust is in you. And I believe that on the third day, you will raise me again. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. He chose to give up his life, believing that the Father is good. Friday is the road to Sunday. Everybody has a problem with the cross. Friday means the beginning of change. And Jesus demonstrated faith over circumstances. There is no salvation without being a sacrifice. 
what seems right in our eyes does not equal God's view. We must embrace the cross if we're going to overcome till the end. And it is our faith that is overcoming because his faith overcomes the world. As we take today the Lord's Supper, I want you to ask this question. Which one of these points speaks to my situation today? Do I have to set my face toward a cross? Which means for you to understand what I'm saying, it means that you are encountering something in your life that you can't do. And you must surrender your life to Jesus. By surrendering your life to Jesus, you're setting your heart and your mind toward a cross to set you free. There is no resurrection without a cross. The second one, everybody has a problem with the cross. Are you offended by the cross? Are you offended that God would put you through such a circumstance and such a trial to test your resolve. Like, are you that offended that you need to let go today and say, God, I forgive you? Do you have to take your cross and die to your offense? Thirdly, what is the change you need to embrace? Where is Jesus speaking to you that he's showing you that he's that in your life? Are you gripped with anxiety in such a way that you have to come to understand that Jesus is your peace? Are you so bound by fear that God is not going to deliver you that you need to ask Jesus be my change today. Into your hand I commit my life. And lastly, can you demonstrate faith in all circumstances? No matter what you're going through, no matter what's going to happen this weekend, no matter what is, doing, is being said in your life, no matter what you're saying in your life over yourself, can you at least say, I trust you, God. I trust you, God. I trust you, God. Natalia, I wonder if you'd come and play some keys for me. Maybe the ushers would like to come and prepare for our supper.
one of those four speaks to you today? Are you the person that just wants to get to Sunday? Then maybe today stop and reflect on the cross. Grab yourselves a a tray and just stand on each side. It would be wonderful. It's always hard knowing what to say or do here. Because all I want to do is cry. At every stage of my life, I've had to go through those four things. I've been the person that's despised the cross. I've been the one that's asked, God, Where are you? I've been the one that would turn my back upon God and go and do the things that I want to do. Therefore, the challenge comes. Are you going to follow me? Are you going to take up your cross and die to yourself? I, I can't say these things without any credibility unless I reflect upon them myself. Can you reflect upon them? Where are you at in your Christian journey? It's not easy to live for God. It's, it never was a promise that it was going to be easy. The promise was always the cross. And while the cross is the power under salvation, your Embracing of the cross is actually the power unto your death. Because without death, there can be no resurrection. Without saying, I died in myself and I live for God, there can be no salvation. You're either, this might sound harsh, you're either in or you're out. There is no lukewarm area. You're either in or out. God desires that all would be in. And in fact, his faith is set toward the fact that all of us would choose him. Or else he wouldn't have sent Jesus in the first place. Thankfully, God is long-suffering. We can learn a few things from him. And he's not sitting up there judging your position. He's inviting you to come. And when I think about the Lord's Supper, I think about the bread. And while my stomach says I love bread, my mind says I love what it represents. I love the one lump. I love that we eat from the one lump. I love that it represents Jesus and that by partaking of Jesus, we're choosing to partake of his life, death, burial, resurrection, power, authority, life. I love the one lump because 
wants one family. He is so intent on bringing unity that he would nail his son to a cross. Today, we represent Jesus breaking the bread because he was broken for me and he was broken for you. wine more than grape juice. But I like the fact that Jesus makes me a new wineskin. And I like the fact that he makes you a new wineskin. And today he wants to do something fresh in your life because he died for you. Don't let this be another Good Friday. Don't let this be a time where you can just say, yep, I've done communion, now I can go off to Pioneer Park. Yep, I've taken the bread, now I can go and order my fish and do my duty. But encounter God in this moment. There is nothing in the world like this moment where you get to partner in a meal with Jesus, your Saviour. His blood, how it cleanses you from all unrighteousness. That he did it once and for all. And he instituted this moment for you and I to reflect upon that and to step into the power of that. The picture of that video of the guy walking along and the light being upon him. You are constantly in that place. This moment helps you remember that. It helps you remember that He has not forsaken you and that He has called you into His purposes. For me, I just love the cross. I love what it represents. I love that it's the invitation into His family. I would invite you to stand today as I pray. If you want to know more about the saving grace and power of God, I encourage you to talk to myself or one of the other pastors. I am conscious we've got 35 minutes before the pageant. But I'd love to talk to you and lead you to Jesus today. But in this moment, reflect in your heart. Take the bread drink of the juice and let the power of God speak deep into your heart through what is shared today Lord God we thank you that you have considered us and while we were lost in sin while we were still your enemies Jesus died for me he died for every one of us Lord while it sounds absurd that you were thinking of us on that cross. It is truly the wisdom and power of God to be able to offer such a sacrifice 
that would see humanity redeemed. I pray today that as we partake of the one lump, that as we drink of the wine, that you would fill afresh a spirit of unity in this house and that you would anoint us to be new wineskins that would carry fresh wine into our community. Lord, I pray that every one of us would consider our cross today and choose to put our lives behind us and to live for Jesus. Lord, have your way. Speak openly and deeply to our hearts. Your word promises that your sheep hear your voice. Speak to us today. I'd like to invite this side to come forward. Grab some juice and some bread. We'll do this in decency and in order, but with joy today, amen, for what God has done for us. this side to come. Take some juice, take some bread, take it back to your seat. We're going to eat together. We're going to do so. Some of you need a big lump of bread, eh? okay it's fine there's plenty to go around just don't drink too much wine over the weekend alright Just take that moment to reflect. Be thankful in your heart. take a big lump. It's okay. There's plenty to go around. I look forward to that day when I get to feast with my king, amen? It won't be a small piece of bread and a little cup of juice.
Ashes to come. I know Ashes do a fantastic job. Yeah. You do. Praise God for each of you. only died once he doesn't die every good Friday you don't have to mourn on good Friday do you understand that that you're free from mourning that Jesus has replaced your sadness with joy like challenge some of the traditions that you hold this is a celebration meal. This is, this is not a morning meal. This, this, this is partnering with the spirit of truth, the spirit of life. And within it, there should be joy because it's the joy of the Lord that's our strength. That's, that's why church is so important. Because we should come to church to renew our strength and renew our joy. We should come here not to mourn, but to be full of the spirit of grace. The world needs us. It needs us to to carry our cross into it. It needs us to be full of the wine of God as fresh wineskins, not a dry old lump of bread that's been out for days and days and days and it's so hard that no one can get any of it. Don't let the enemy rob from you what Jesus paid such a high price to give you. It is a free gift salvation. What you hold in your hand is a representation of the grace of God. And you must choose to partner with Him in it. You can do this with your families at home. You could do this in your, in your grow groups. You could do this. Just go and knock on your neighbor's door and break bread with them. And tell them the story of Jesus. There is power in the gospel. The gospel is not Jesus nailed and stayed on a cross. The gospel is that he was nailed upon a cross. He was put into the earth. And on the third day, he rose up victorious. That he was seen by 500. That he was sent. He he ascended back into heaven. He sent the spirit of God into power to empower his church to be a witness for him. This is not a mortuary. There should be joy in the presence of God. The cross may talk about death, but once death is embraced, there is an abundance of life in the blood of Christ. Jesus is the only door. He's the only gate unto which you can have this eternal life. And in your hand today, you say yes to Jesus. Lord, we just thank you for this. And we take and eat with a heart of gratitude. And we thank you for what it represents in our life. That we have life and we have life abundant because of what you've done for us. You may take and eat of the bread today, giving thanks unto the Lord.
Thank you, Jesus, that you shed your blood for the remissions of sin. Thank you, Jesus, that today we stand before you righteous, redeemed, holy. We're not thrice holy like you, but one day we will be as you catch us up, as we are transformed in an instant, as we are made like you. We ask today that as we drink, that you would give us the power to overcome, the power to sustain, the faith to continue walking daily in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray.